Welcome to the Made of Dreams podcast. I am so, so happy you're here. If you're pursuing something in your life, following your dreams full-time or when there's time, you're in the right place. On this show, we have conversations that inspire you to keep going, help you embrace where you are, and see a bit of others' creative process. A little wellness, a little woo-woo, and a lot of heart. So hi, I'm Ashley, songwriter, mom, hairstylist and wife, but more importantly, your new friend on a mission to create a space for all the people who have always just wanted more, more joy, more balance, and more creativity. So stick around and let's dream on. Welcome back to Made of Dreams. It's season two, episode two happening right now. I've got a great episode for you today. I'm talking with my friend Jamie Schwass, and I wanted to pop on before the episode starts quickly and mention that there is a brief mention of eating disorders in today's episode, and we are talking about mental health and mindset. This episode was actually recorded in the fall of last year, I believe. So some of the things that we're talking about is when the world kind of opened back up with COVID, which is still relevant in the way that we are living our lives today. So I hope this is helpful. And here we go. Today, I'm talking with my friend, Jamie Schwass. She is a licensed mental health therapist. We have some really great conversations, and I wanted to bring her on to Made of Dreams to talk a bit about mindset, getting out of your comfort zone, goal setting, and the things that she finds are helpful when working towards change or trying something new. So welcome, Jamie. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. How's your morning going? It's good. So Today is my half day, so I just get to relax and do all the housework <laughs> that I <laughs> do this whole week. Yeah. So. It's so relaxing, totally. Yeah, so relaxing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a couple getting to know you questions that I like to ask everybody. So whatever the first thing that comes to your mind, you have to sing karaoke. What's your go-to song? Oh, hit me with your best shot, Pat Benatar. Okay. I like it. I think I know the answer to this one, but coffee or tea? Coffee. Iced coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do you have a favorite musical artist or genre of music? Oh, you know, I don't. I, it's really just depends on my mood. Like summertime comes and I just want to listen to country and like folksy type music. And in the wintertime, I want to listen to like hip hop. I, it's just, <laughs> it's, I'm so random. Like if you put my phone on shuffle, you'll get like Christian, then you'll get system of a down and then you'll get, you know, Zach Brown band. I mean, it's just wild. All over the place. I'm the <laughs> same way too. Yeah. I actually just, I just got a new car. You probably didn't know that, but I got a new car and I have Sirius radio for the first time ever. And so I've been trying to program a couple favorites and it's like, 90s on nine and then I'm listening to vinyl I don't know it's just the 80s and 90s are totally my jam but then all the other stuff and I couldn't imagine listening to the same genre of music every single day because I don't feel the same every single day my moods my vibes different I like dress different depending on my mood so why not change my Mm -hmm. music depending on my mood same yeah yeah I have definitely found honestly like if I am super sad, I can't listen to sad music, you know, no. like I just, exactly. I can't go there. I have to, that's when I'm listening to pop <laughs> or whatever. So. Right. And the therapist um, is like, you need to feel what you're feeling. <laughs> I'm like, not today. We're listening to Y2K, whatever. That's right. That's right. I need a little in sync. It's going to be May. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Do you remember the first concert you went to? Yes. I was 10 years old, so it would have been, should I date myself? 1990. (laughs) And it was a New Kids on the Block. Me too. That was my first one. Yeah. Was it in Champaign? It was in Champaign. And I went with, my dad was a teacher. And so I went with a couple of high school girls. They took me. And I remember I was in love with Donnie Wahlberg. And he was like the one. And I was 10 and he did cover girl. Uh, oh, she's my cover girl. Yeah. And he did that song and he always pulled someone up on the audience. And I was like so far back. And I literally sat down on the floor because I thought he was going to like 
ask me to come up and oh my gosh that's hilarious illusion started yeah (laughs) I love it well we were at the same concert me and my sister and my cousin all had matching outfits it was amazing really cute yeah that was so I mean just back then New Kids on the Block was our life yeah, I was so jealous of the girls that had the bedspread with the hearts and their photos all over it. I did not have that. But I also remember to get tickets to that. My mom was literally on redialing Ticketmaster on the phone over and over. Like, that's how we got tickets. You had to call a number to yeah. get them. Anyway, yeah. it's a different time. We went to the same concert. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> we weren't even living in the same town. No, no, no not at all. Okay, last, getting to know you, what is your most used emoji? I think it's probably the little face with the two little hearts or the three hearts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Send that one a lot. If like a girlfriend texts me about something, I'll send that yeah. one. Like, love like, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really honestly, cool. sometimes I don't know what the faces mean. I just am like, this is cute. I'll send this one. Um, I don't know what they mean, but then my sister-in-law was telling me about what some of them mean and some of them are inappropriate. And I'm like, I use um, that, but not for that purpose. <laughs> that's <laughs> too get up a culture because yeah. I don't know what's happening. I don't either. I was laughing the other day though, because somebody said there a new emoji that's coming out is high five. And I was like, what if the prayer one has actually been high five this whole time? <laughs> it has been. Really? And like, that's been the high five the whole time. And then this one is raise the roof, but that's, to me, it's hallelujah. Oh, wow. That's they hilarious. Inappropriately, apparently, but yeah, I, I guess it's just, I, it would be interesting to see how other people use them in different cultures. Yeah. Because maybe like this means something completely different to them than what we think it means. Yeah. I, I that is super interesting. Huh. I love it. Okay. Well, let's switch gears a bit and talk about um, what made you want to be a therapist? Childhood trauma. Went through some stuff as a kid and I kind of kept it to myself and didn't tell anybody. And so instead of like getting the help that I needed, I decided, I think when I maybe junior high or high school, that I started reading all these self-help books on how to heal from trauma And then that spurred this fire in me to help others that maybe have gone through similar things that I went through. And so when I went to college after high school, I went for music. I was a music major and I wanted to switch my major my second semester in. And my parents were like, well, you have a scholarship for music. So we don't feel that you should do that. So I stuck with music and then ended up dropping out of school because I went and performed. And then I always wanted to get back into schooling psychology. And then I slowly got my associates. And then after I had my kids, then I decided to go back in my mid thirties, almost late thirties. Actually, I was 37 and finished getting my degree in psychology. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like in the last, I mean, mental health awareness is really, we're all very aware now, which is great. But for me, I've been into self-help and personal development And when you said that, I'm like, I think it started when I had my son, actually, because you're like not wanting to mess him up. You know, you're like, let's do the best we can. So then I think that's when I started to dive into um, reading books and mindset. And then also found that in my music career, it's a bit, you get used to a lot of rejection and a lot of judgment and a lot of putting yourself out there. And so you have a lot of negative thoughts about not being good enough and things like that, that just come up from the nature of the beast, really from, you know, not everyone can play this show or be, you know, there's only so many things. And so I found it actually to help my whole life when I started to think about stuff like that. It's so interesting that you say that too, because when I was 19, I got a job on a cruise ship. Well, in order to be on it, I had to fit into the last girl's outfits because they weren't going to make new ones. And so I had to be a size six. Well, I wasn't a size six. I'm 5'10". I'm curvy, but I did 
because I starved myself to make myself get into that outfit because I so badly wanted this job. And looking back now, I think I would never do that. But I think the the music industry, the entertainment industry, it really does make you do things that you rationally would never do. But I, I starved myself. I became anorexic because I so badly wanted to be in this show mm-hmm. that only lasted six months of my life. I was going to ask how long you were on the crew. It was a like one contract yeah. around. Yeah, contract. It was six months. And I was like, I look back now and say, what an impact that me doing that to myself has had on my health today. Cause you know, we've talked about the thyroid journey and everything and that aspect of my life. And I didn't just get over the anorexia. It took me two years probably to like heal from that, but it had such an impact on my health now and my my mental health. Yes. Definitely. Do you think you realized at the time that you were anorexic when you were on the cruise ship or was it later that you're like, wow, I was literally starving myself or was it conscious? I knew what I was doing. I, cause I was also taking like back then, like metabolite or metabolite, whatever that was mm-hmm. called. Ephedra. Mm-hmm. I was also taking that as well as not eating. Cause I had to drop sizes to fit into this outfit, but And this is the thing about eating disorders is you feel like you have this sense of control. Like I had control over what I was putting in my body, but in reality, I was completely out of control because mentally I could not rationalize that I was harming myself, you know, but Mm -hmm. I had control. I knew what I was going to put into my body every single day. And so that control aspect, it's very interesting with eating disorders to see the control of it, but you actually don't have any control at all. You're actually completely out of control. And so, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So at that time, so you had dropped out of school and then went and performed on the cruise ship. That was six months. And then it took you about two years to heal Mm -hmm. from that. Yeah. 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 And now it's just wreaked havoc on my body. You know, my thyroid doesn't work anymore. And it's like, I eat a piece of lettuce and I gain five pounds, you know? So it's like, so now it's like a whole new yeah. issue. And you and I talk a lot about it. Yes, definitely. Like, I know. I, I'm like, we could go down the rabbit hole with that. But let's talk a bit about like motivation and stress. Let's talk about stress. Let's talk yeah. About, we all have it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a part of our daily life. And I think sometimes we're super used to it. So I feel like, yeah, for me, at least with the whole COVID shutdown of the last couple of years. And I think a lot of people now we're waking up to how much stress we have because when everything changed, you know, then that was a whole different stress and worry type of stress. But then now it's like, we're back to normal and we're choosing what you want to have in your life a bit more intentionally. If you're lucky, if you're able to do that. Yeah. But I also think that our brains are still programmed to COVID times. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Like when I talk to people or I have clients, like the first thing they say, I say, you know, when did this manifest? And they say during COVID. Mm-hmm. So the stress that COVID put on, on everyone's mental health was very profound. And I don't think people realized what the shutdown actually did to people. Cause you look at kids. What is, what did they do? They turned to social media. And so they weren't in school, they were doing online, but they were learning things and picking things up from TikTok. Yeah. And that TikTok kind of took off was during, during COVID. And, and the things that were taught to the kids on TikTok was, while there was some great informative stuff, there was also, remember like all the challenges that were on there that these kids were trying. And like, I just think, that alone and trying to fit into TikTok standards and Instagram standards has put a lot of stress on kids. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I also think it's an interesting tool because I remember during the beginning of the pandemic, 
a lot of musicians would go online and perform. And so, you know, I did that. And I, I think we kind of were like, let's do something fun. And like, people are online. Let's just, you know, hang out. And I remember inviting a friend of mine to get on there with me. And so seeing her face pop up on the screen and having a conversation was just like, it is so good to see you. Like it felt so good for a while, you know? And then after, after a while, it was like, oh, if I have to do one more zoom thing, you know, it is, you get so, you got desensitized from it. Mm -hmm. Like at first it was like kind of cool. It was like, I kind of like this whole, not having to interact with people and I can do it online and you know, I can stay in my sweatpants and just get dressed from the top up. And, and there was this sense of excitement, but then I do think after a while, it was like, we actually, I mean, we are made for human touch, right? We're made for hugs and handshakes and that close proximity with people. And I Mm -hmm. think when we weren't able to touch people, when we weren't able to hug people, I think it really did something to our mental health because mm-hmm. while we were seeing people we were still isolated and, and a lot of times too you're seeing people but you're not really you're not seeing them you're watching them exactly yeah and so it feels like connection but it's not it's kind of one-sided yeah it really is yeah so and that's think, interesting and I think yeah and I think now people are like because things kind of haven't changed. Like I think about my husband, he still is doing a ton of Zoom calls and, mm-hmm. you know, not seeing as many customers as he saw because the world changed dramatically. Yeah. I mean, if you go to Steak and Shake, for instance, there aren't waitresses anymore. You just put in your order and mm-hmm. you go sit down. There's like four people working and it's just wild. Like, Yeah, there are still some weird. Yeah, like you don't even have like, you don't even get to talk to someone while you're ordering your food. Like you used to, you'd, you know, chit chat with the waitress or there isn't that anymore. in some of these restaurants, I think about the older generation that, that live alone and that, you know, like you go to a restaurant and you sit down and you eat and maybe that only communication you're going to have that day is with the waitress at mm-hmm. steak and shake. Yeah. And now they don't even have that. Now they have it brought to you and, you know, they may say, thank you. But there's mm-hmm. not that communication. And I think that too adds into the loneliness and the isolation. Mm-hmm. I agree. I was just thinking about in my other job as a hairstylist, how during that time when I would see people, um, especially older people, I would actually schedule an extra 10 minutes because they just would want to talk for so mm-hmm. much longer mm-hmm. before they would leave. I mean, people that lived alone, you know, they just didn't have that connection. And so that was something that I could do to give that to them a little bit more, which, yeah, that's something that I learned about in beauty school too. They tell you that that job, you are physically touching people physically. And so sometimes that's the only physical touch that that person will have, which is sad to think about, but it's also, you know, kind of an honor in a way to take care of people and to do that. So intention is really good. So anyway, coming out of this whole pandemic, are there any coping skills or any tips that you have for people that are just still feeling it? Because I know that I've, I feel like I've worked through it quite a bit, but it took, it took mental awareness of being Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's safe to go here and be here and be in this crowd and it's okay. And for, you know, I didn't want to do that stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think during COVID, people stopped trusting. They stopped Mm -hmm. trusting our government. They stopped trusting people because they thought they were going to get, you know, if anybody didn't wear a mask or get vaccinated, then you may get it. And so I think the trust went away. So I think it's important. The first thing is to start trusting again. Like the government Mm -hmm. has told us we're open, right? And I think people are still struggling to trust that what they say is true. So I think it starts with trust. And getting back to the things that you used to love to do. Mm-hmm. Because I think when we, you know, you get out of a habit, it's hard to get back into that habit. Like I remember during COVID, I stopped, I used to go to a gym. The gym was closed. I couldn't go to the gym anymore. I couldn't go back to the gym because I'd gotten out of that habit. So I think, you know, really 
pushing yourself to go back to that thing that you used to love. Because I think with the pandemic, some of us have lost our passion and Mm -hmm. lost our motivation because of the isolation. So putting yourself back out there. I know it's scary. Meeting new people, doing new things is a scary thing to do. But you think about how easy it was before the pandemic. We just went about our lives and never thought anything different, right? We go try that new class or we go to the movies or we go to that restaurant. We meet people. and, And so I think it's just putting trust that everything is okay and put yourself out there again. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. It can be hard to do. That's one of the reasons I started this podcast too, because I do feel like people need some joy in their lives. And so I just want to encourage people, you know, if there's something that you want to try to try it or to do it. And so that COVID or not, I feel like sometimes that's hard for people to take that step. It I is. think of like going to a painting class or some people don't want to go to things alone. Is there, what if you personally get scared, do you tell yourself anything to make yourself do it? Or you just kind of think power through and then. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of the times that when we don't do things is because of the anxiety, mm-hmm. we all have anxiety. You might have it on a large scale where you have like a anxiety disorder, or you just have anxiety because you're like, Sometimes I think we forget that when we're anxious about something, it really is because we're we're excited about it and we're passionate about it. I think when you stop having that feeling that like, that's when you know, like you no longer have the passion for that. Mm-hmm. So I always remind myself, if I'm feeling a little anxious about something, it's because I really am looking forward to whatever is on the other side. But sometimes it's hard to take those steps to get to that. And I think it's also important to remember that anxiety is you're anxious about things that haven't happened. You're, you're anxious about the what ifs. And so for me, if I get anxious about something, I can stop myself and say, okay, what if I go on this podcast and say something (laughs) stupid? Yeah. But what if, and this is where I go, but what if I go on this podcast and someone who was searching for something heard something that you and I talked about that made a huge impact on our lives. So if I take mm-hmm. that negative, what if, and I turn it into a positive what if. Mm-hmm. Like people get scared of going on a plane. Well, what if the plane crashes? Yeah. But what if it doesn't? And you have the most amazing vacation of your life, something profound happens, you know? So it's like taking that negative what if and turning it into that positive. What if? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because it is, most of that whole saying of like, most of the things you worry about have never happened, will never happen. It's like, you're trying to predict the future. And yeah, yeah, I actually, I tell my son all the time, like, cause he'll, I don't know, he'll get mad about something and then just like, want to sit out, you know, he's like, "Mm," like, and in one regard, I'm like, okay, good for you because you're letting people know how you feel. But in another regard, like everyone else is still having fun and you're sitting here by yourself. So right. I'm like, have your moment, feel your feeling. And then do you want to sit here or do you want to regret not playing because everyone's going to leave in 20 minutes or whatever the case is? Yeah. So No, that's great. And I think it's great that you tell him to feel like, have your moment. I I think we're so quick to tell our kids, stop it. Mm-hmm. And we're telling them that they're not allowed to have feelings. Yeah. And then, oh boy, what a mess you're going to have when they're older, because they're never going to show emotions because we shut their emotions down. Like yeah. it's so like my daughter gets very anxious. She's a very anxious, like she has to set her clothes out every single night. She has to double check things to make sure that they're done. And I could say, you're being ridiculous. Everything's fine. I saw you do this. No. I have her, okay, if you feel that you didn't do it, let's go back down and let's check again. Sometimes I'm just like, get it together, girl, because I know you did this. Yes, I want to do that. But at the same time, she has to process it. She has to feel the emotion of the nervousness of, did I do this? She has to double check it. And so I think allowing people to feel the emotion Mm -hmm. and not shut them down is also going to help with the anxiety. Like give them a moment, let them process their emotions. Don't tell them they're being ridiculous. Yeah. 
Cause you know, have you ever had a moment where you're upset and someone's like, just quit. You don't mm-hmm. need to this. The feeling of rejection and feeling or that you shouldn't feel that way. Like you're wrong because you feel yes. that way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we kind of like went to a different topic, but I think too, no, that's kind it's of important. It's, it's all related yeah. because it all works together. But I think we're so, I think our society is so quick to say, you can, you're not allowed to feel that way. You can't feel that way. Mm-hmm. You well, are. That's the that thing way. with, even with anxiety, it's like, you feel like you shouldn't feel anxious, but we all do, you we know, all of us go through a time of anxiety and all of us dip down into, I won't call it a depression because not everybody goes into a depression, but people get low. Mm-hmm. It is just the cycle of life. And to tell someone, you don't need to be sad about that. Well, yes. We're allowed to feel whatever we feel because our perception is our reality. Yeah. And it might not be the other person's reality, but what a difference relationships could be if you acknowledged everyone's emotions. You might not agree with it, but just saying, I see that you're feeling this way. Would you like to talk about it? What yeah. a difference that would make in relationships instead of just, well, they're being sad again, or they're doing this, or they're being, they're being a psycho. You know, that's always yeah. like, what a psycho. It's like, well, hold on a second. Maybe ask them, Hey, I noticed you're really geared up about something. What's going on. Maybe you'd find something out about them that you never knew before. And maybe you'd have a different lens that you would look through. Cause you'd be looking through a compassionate lens instead mm-hmm. of a critical lens. Yeah, I think that's really important. Learning to see something from someone else's perspective. I think that that really helps in in life and also getting back into getting out into the world again. And yeah, just being kinder to people. Yeah. I don't know why that's so hard for us to do. Mm-hmm. I know we're all, you know, we live in kind of a selfish society, right? We're like, every man for themselves, but what a difference it makes when you have community and when you have friendships and you have those people that when they see that you're struggling, they say, Hey, I noticed this. Are you okay? It really is kind of like a domino effect because then they see, well, this person did this to me and Mm -hmm. I remember how that felt. So now I can pass it along and I can do, and it it really is like a domino effect Mm -hmm. of how others treat because we're treated a certain way then we want to treat someone else a certain way. And it just, you know, it. Yeah. But I love that, that whole like random acts of kindness thing where someone just does something nice or even just like says hi or smiles or something. It really does. It can make a difference. It does. It makes a huge difference. But then after you do the random act of kindness, don't blast it that you just did. Right. You just have to keep it, you know, like that's not the point of doing it for our accolades. It's just to, bless someone else or make someone else feel good. It's not about like, Hey, look what I did. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The intention, the intention does matter, I think for sure. So how do you feel about meditation and stuff like that? Is that a practice that you do? I can do like a three minute meditation. Okay. Real quick. I want to tell you about my absolute favorite can't live without it. Skincare product. I have been on a clean beauty mission and I love Skin X Erin. My favorite product is the pre-cleanse oil. I use that along with her super soft cleansing cloths to take off my makeup every night. It's 100% pure grapeseed oil, all power, no poison, and I swear it makes my eyelashes longer too. So I'm all in. All the products are so simple. There's three oils. My favorite, the pre-cleanse oil a hydrating beauty oil, and a perfecting night oil to round it out. So head over to shopxerin.com, that's Erin, E-R-I-N, and use the code AshleyRiley10 for 10% off. Seriously, try it, because great skin is so rock and roll. I am a go-go-go, and so me relaxing isn't, which is weird because I'm a really chill person, but my brain is just like everybody else's. It just goes, 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 goes. Um, 
mindfulness, meditation, journaling, yoga, you know, being one with nature that works for some people. And I do think it is a, a really great way to slow yourself down and to, and you said it and my favorite word, and I tell all my clients, this is your word is intention. It's slowing yourself down. And what is your intention? Cause I think we've all kind of lost what our purpose or intention is in this. And I do think that doing meditation and sitting with yourself can be really beneficial. And it doesn't have to be like, people think meditation is like, I have to do an hour or two hours of meditation. No, I do two to three minutes. I go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. You can pull up a a two to three minute meditation and just sit, you know, center yourself, center your breath, find out where those areas in your body are that are super tight. I do love the mindfulness aspect because I, I think we do get away from what is our intention? What is our purpose? What, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I like to meditate, but I don't like to do it for very long, maybe like 10 minutes tops. But at that, I actually always have to do guided meditations Yes, where someone's kind of walking you through like, <clears throat> excuse me, take a breath and relax your body. I think for me that that is, I think meditation can actually be like walking meditation or like some people, somebody told me that they were a mindfulness movement person and that their yeah. meditation was dance. Yes. So I think, I mean, I think it can just be to me, maybe meditation is getting out of your head and just into your body or the moment or something like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And some people for meditation, it's prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's I'm, I'm more of a, I pray that mm-hmm. is my way of centering myself. And, you know, we talk about like the breath, the breath and the mind, like if you're not getting oxygen to your brain, you're, your brain's not going to function properly. So mm-hmm. it's like in meditation, in prayer, you're breathing deep and you're breathing slow and you're getting all that oxygen to go back up into your brain. And it helps us think clearly. It, it wakes us up. We start firing on all cylinders again. And I think that's why mindfulness is really great for anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like I said, whether it's journaling, because when you're journaling, you're kind of like slowly writing stuff out yoga. You've got that movement. Yeah meditation, the prayer, those are super important because we forget that if we're not breathing, then this isn't working. Yeah. I actually, I heard something really interesting. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but it was different breathing techniques, like somewhere you like breathe in for four seconds and hold it and then breathe out Mm -hmm. for longer, breathe out double. Mm -hmm. It was like, if you, like when you're scared, you breathe like, like a quick breath in. And so that's why like a long breath in actually relaxes your nervous system. I found that so interesting. I was like, well, makes sense. But sometimes when you hear little things like that. um, And when you breathe, when you do deep breathing, your shoulders should not lift. It's completely from your diaphragm. So I know us girls, we like to suck in our stomachs, Mm -hmm. but no, in that moment, you have to just really, it's all from the gut. Like your gut should get soft your belly should get super soft. It should stick out. It should that, but filling, that's how you fill the back of your lungs, the front of your lungs, your diaphragm. And we, Mm -hmm. when you're nervous, you're, that's what you're doing. So you see people hyperventilate it's because they're, but if they, and it's easy for us because we're singers. So we know to breathe. So it's natural for us, but for someone Mm -hmm. who's not a singer, that deep belly. And even some singers, you see their shoulders going up or like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm remembering the show choir <laughs> practices of like when they would have us breathe in and then like breathe out Yeah, and they're I like, you make your stomach is so big. And then, yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, like if you're singing like this and you try to sing, yeah. high, you yeah. right. Like you just can't, exactly. they're not going to hit yeah. them <laughs> So it really is important. Like girls, you just got to let your bellies go and you just, just put a blanket over yourself. You're not comfortable. (laughs) Exactly. 
feeling that deep breath and what it just does to your entire body. It does. It slows that nervous system down and it gets your digestion going again because when mm-hmm. you're tight, you're not digesting food because everything's restricted. Well, yeah, I find for myself, I tense, I don't know that I get nervous, like that I'm aware of that, but I will find myself like making a fist or gripping. Sometimes I'll be gripping literally where I'm standing with my toes. And I'm like, oh my goodness, mine is like, relax your body. That's my thing that I have to remind myself, like, look at your posture and how you're behaving. Like that's my, it's so weird. Really interesting. An exercise that people can do is when you get ready to go to bed at night, either before bed, you can do it sitting up or laying down, but you start from the top of your head and you go every inch of your body and relax it. And Mm. like, I carry all my tension in my jaw. And when I relax it, I'm like, oh, (laughs) I had no idea. But when you go and you do every inch of your body and you figure out where do I carry all that tension, then it brings intention to that part. So now I'm always like, I'm always checking my jaw, like, okay, am I relaxed? Am I, because then if I'm, if I'm tense here, then my head starts to hurt. Then I tense up here. Then all of a sudden my whole body is affected by the tenseness in my jaw. So it's such a good exercise to do just to go inch by inch of your body. And you start at the top, top down. Yeah. Start at the bottom, wherever you want to start, but just make sense though. Bring that awareness to every part of your body and be like, Oh, wow. I didn't realize like my knees, why are my knees? tense? (laughs) Like it's crazy. And I like to do it before bed because then my body's relaxed. Yeah. Because I brought awareness to every part of my body that needed Mm -hmm. to relax. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I actually, yeah, I don't do that for myself. I was thinking sometimes I'll do that for Woodrow. If he can't sleep, I'll just go in and I'll walk him through that and get him to relax, but I don't do it for myself. I should. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great if we could get a massage before bed. Right. That would be amazing. But, you know, we don't have those on call, so we have to get creative and that's just a great way to, yeah, yeah bring that mindfulness to your body. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something earlier. I want to circle back to, we were talking about like when people are scared of doing something about the what if and changing basically the opposite thought. So mm-hmm. it's like, if you're worried that the plane's going to crash, you're like, what if you actually have the best vacation of your life? Is that something that you would recommend people to like journal on? Or do you have any prompts for people when they When they journal, are there questions they should ask themselves? You know, it's different for everybody. Some people like to write out their entire day. Some people will write about what triggered them that day. I think it's what works for you. It's so individual. Mm -hmm. But I think before journaling, I think it's important to ask the question, what am I hoping to get out of this experience? I think if we go into it with an intention, mm-hmm. I think then we can, you know, some people are like, well, I want to journal because I I need to write all of the things that made me anxious today. And so that's their intention to write it out. So then they, it's a way of them to release that from their mind. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to say, okay, what is my intention for writing this journal? What am I hoping to get out of it? And I would write it at the top. This is what I'm hoping to get out of this journal entry. And so then you have, okay, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to accomplish. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think that I've always done that with songwriting where it's like, what I do is like, I feel an emotion and then I just follow yeah. it. And like, then yeah. I just feel it. And then it's like, okay, I'm done. So I've always been like free form journaling. I'm like, what do you sit down and write? You know? Well, the, the great thing is, is it's whatever you want to write. Yeah. I don't give journaling as homework a lot. I only give it to my clients that are super creative. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't give it to if I had some sort of analyst, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who's in like that kind of field, I wouldn't give them journaling because it's probably their brain doesn't, it's going to be difficult for them. Now, does it mean that they can't do it? No, that doesn't mean that, but they're probably going to be like, no, I'm not doing this. You want to make it easy so that they're going to do it, right? I want them I want them to do a coping skill that's going to work for them. Like that's one of the things I ask my clients. 
what has worked and if, if they've been in therapy, what worked, what didn't work. I don't want to do what didn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Because then it's like, you kind of break that therapeutic bond by giving them things that they're not comfortable. So I will ask people, do you like to write? Do you like to journal? I'm like, no, I, I don't read. I don't write. Okay. We're not journaling this, that, that is not. So what do you like <laughs> That's to do? Not for you. I, yeah. Right. I like to exercise. Okay. So we're going to use exercise as a coping skill. So it's mm-hmm. like finding that thing, but yeah, journaling isn't for everybody. I don't journal. Journaling is not my thing. I just don't like to write. So for mm-hmm. me, that would not be therapeutic. So, so it's like really, that thing that <clears throat> works for you individually. If you go to someone and they say, all I do is make people do journaling. Right. You know, that's, that's yeah. I like that perspective though of, yeah, making it unique and personal, something that you enjoy that you're not dreading because you're more likely to do it. And so then using that as a way to like channel your stress or frustration or energy to a healthy behavior. Yeah. Like for me to journal would stress me out because I would be overthinking. I would be like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? And then I'm blocked. Yeah. And then I'm more anxious than I was when I came into the, to the exercise. So for me, (laughs) now you want me to go for like a walk and listen to a podcast about healing Yes. Yes. I will do that. That sounds like something that I could do. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. And, and maybe just trying, what about trying new things when people are really anxious? Do you encourage trying new things? If that makes you anxious, you're not going to do anything different by not doing anything different. I, I think one thing that I do with anxiety is let's not look at the anxiety as a whole. Let's Mm -hmm. break this down because when we break the anxiety or whatever we're anxious about into smaller sections, it doesn't seem so daunting. So let's say, I don't know, let's use an example. Let's say someone is terrified of driving. Okay. Like I I can't get my license. I, I, I can't do it. All right. Let's start by just getting in the car and just sitting. And I want you to do this until you're comfortable. And I want you to do it as long as you can. As soon as you feel uncomfortable, I want you to get out of the car. And mm-hmm. you continually to do this. Now, next step is let's turn the car on. Let's just turn it on. By the way, this person has a license. <laughs> yeah. And let's see how long you can sit there before the anxiety starts to hit you. And we do that until we get comfortable. Now, let's back it out of the driveway and drive it around the block. And so you can slowly break down that huge anxiety of driving. And so all of a sudden you're like, well, I just drove around the block. Yeah. Now let's drive down the street. And so it's breaking it down into the smaller portions of it until you're comfortable. And that anxiety of that section has gone away. And then let's move to the next. And listen, it could take two years. Yeah. Just having patience with yourself too. Having patience. And I think too, building that confidence of, I actually, and I always say, I don't care how minimal you think an accomplishment is. Congratulate yourself. Be proud of yourself for sitting in a car in the driver's seat without it turned on. But you did that. You did that. Mm -hmm. And so be proud of the accomplishment that you just made because you weren't able to do that before. And so I think it's really important that even that small little thing that you don't think is significant, it can make a huge difference. And acknowledging, I did that. I've never been able to sit in the driver's seat without having a panic attack. And I did it. It just gives you that confidence of, no, I think I can do this next step. Mm -hmm. It's the feeling of not feeling like you're worth it, not feeling that you're good enough, not thinking that you're capable. But if you can take these tiny little steps and do them and, and be proud of yourself, you're like, okay, I can do this next step. Cause I just did that. I would never be like, nope, just get in the car and drive. (laughs) no I mean yeah you're right yeah I do think too sometimes it's like you build something up in your head just me personally I've built things up in my head where I'm like oh this is going to be awful and then you do it and it's nothing like what you thought and it's so much easier oh yeah you have that moment of like even like you're terrified and then you step I remember I had to give a sermon at church one time I was terrified and the minute I mean it was to the point of like I was like can I fake a sickness 
so I don't have to do this. Like that's where I was. But the minute I got up there, I was like, oh, what was I? So I have everything I need in front of me. I have prepared. I took those baby steps to prepare myself, right? I wrote it. I practiced it. Now I'm here. There's no turning back. I I can't, <laughs> I yeah. can't just walk off this platform at this moment. But it was like, what was I so nervous about? Yeah. I'm okay. You know, and I think we do, we freak ourselves out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to tell myself, cause I, I did go through like a different period of anxiety, which was actually thyroid induced, but I didn't know it at the time, but I would always tell myself, just go and you can leave at any time. You can always leave. You can stop. You have an out. But even if I really didn't nine times out of 10, I would do the thing. I'd be fine. I wouldn't want to stop. It's just the starting it or getting there or doing whatever. Yeah. So. What would happen if we said no to everything we were anxious about? We would miss out on so many amazing opportunities in life. I mean, think about mm-hmm. you be, maybe had anxiety about starting a podcast, mm-hmm. but now you're doing it and it's helping people and people are learning and, and enjoying. And what if you would have never done that? Yeah. Yep. I'd just be wondering. <laughs> I'd still be wondering about it. (laughs) Now I know. Yeah. Well, do you have any last thoughts or things that you didn't share that you think are important for people to know when they're working on their mindset or just trying to be intentional with what they're doing? Yeah, we need to be, and I, I, little counterintuitive what I'm going to say here. You have to put yourself first. You have to take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically before you can care for anybody else. I think even, you know, as moms, sometimes we're pouring from a half or almost empty cup. But if we are not fulfilling ourselves with the things that bring us joy, if we are not taking care of ourselves mentally, if we are not working out, if we're not eating healthy, if we're not getting enough sleep, we are no good to anybody else. And so I think it's really important that. It's okay to take the time for yourself, to fill yourself up because you are going to be able to give more to others. And I think that's something that, especially for women, we've kind of thought the opposite that we have to do for everyone else before we do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that advice. I'm here for it. And also, I also just think like anything you can do to laugh more, (laughs) that's my that's my tip. hundred percent. hundred percent. I'm like, it's supposed to be fun, right? We're supposed to have fun here. We're supposed to have fun. I think, yeah, I think we take ourselves too seriously and we take the world too seriously. And it's like, mm-hmm. I know I'm having a lot more fun when I'm smiling than when yeah. I'm, you know, I know there's times to be serious and there's time, but oh, there's sure. like, but if you can't enjoy your life, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Yeah. I want to have fun. I want to laugh. Too. I do too. Yeah. I also laugh when I'm nervous. So, you know, one of those people, but okay. One more question. What is, what's the best part of doing what you do? I think for me, it's seeing the transformation and mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with me. It ha- it has everything to do with them. And that they finally put themselves first. They decided that they wanted to make a change in their life. And just to get emails about, this is what I did this week, or you know, have a session. And they're like, this was my win for the week. And just seeing the confidence and seeing the goals being set and seeing the marriages being restored, that is the best part. That's awesome. Yay. Thank you so much. It's been really, really fun talking to you and I appreciate the time. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Made of Dreams. If you're enjoying the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review. It really does help. If you'd like to learn more about me or the guests on the show, head on over to madeofdreamspodcast.com. And while you're there, sign up for the Dreamer's Digest and you will receive my creative state worksheet. It's a list of my favorite tips and tricks to get you in a creative mindset. And now I'm going to leave you with a song of mine. This is called One Way.
been wasting my days sleeping in and staying up late. Lord, I feel it now. It's got me wondering how I'm gonna pay for things. But I'm finding my way out of all the dark and hard ways that I've been lost now. Oh, stumbling round. But I think I see the light day. My heart's beating loud. I follow that sound. I'm gonna find my way back one way or another. One way or another. Oh, one way. Oh